Hey, this is Isaiah, the youth pastor of Purpose 828 Youth Ministry. I want to say thank you so much for tuning in. Pray that this message blesses you and encourages you. Let's get into it. Oh, thank you. All right. You, you guys can be seated. Thank you so much. Is that yours or that mine? This one's mine. Oh, okay. He's got a backup. <laughs> I have, uh, I just want to say thank you, first of all. I know a lot of you don't know me. I don't really know you, which, which, is, which is cool because, you know, we have no bias toward one another. At least I hope not. Uh, thank you, Pastor Isaiah. Thank you, youth leaders. Thank all of you for giving me a guy you don't know a chance to share something with you. You're, you're not kidding. This is bright up in here. <laughs> My greatest concern for tonight was that I wouldn't be able to see this. But, okay, so my name's Jim Xavier, administrative pastor here. Some of you know me by name, maybe by title or whatever. You've seen me around. I know some of your faces, some of your leaders' faces for sure. Some of you younger people I know. But, you know, you're giving me some credit here because you don't know me. So what I mean by that is because we haven't spent time together, we don't have a real relationship, most of us in this room. But I want to assure you that we have a bond because I have been your age. I have been what you're going through, been through, may go through. We're cut from the same cloth. I'm a spirit being. You're a spirit being. We, we have a soul, right? This is our thoughts, our desires, our emotions, our passions. God, God wants that from you. He's trying to refine that. Your spirit is saved. Your soul is being sanctified. Working that through working that through, but the devil also wants that chunk of you. He wants that chunk of me. And last but not least is this body. No hope for the body. The body will be resurrected someday. But what I'm saying here is that we're made from the same stuff. So in that, if you could trust me tonight, just, just give me a little bit of trust. I promise you I will share things with you, hopefully, that will help you and guide you and bring you to a place in your understanding that maybe you haven't been before. Uh, could we all stand up just one more time? Right. Now, here's, I'm just going to ask you for a piece of trust. Raise your right hand. I'm not going to make you pledge an oath. But say this. I need awareness. I need, need hyper-awareness. Hyper the end. You may sit down. <laughs> what do I mean by that? <laughs> I'll tell you in just a second. But uh, being my age. So you're young. I'm young. You know, in a different way. Uh, but being this age, you gain experience. And I've learned that it's much nicer to be on this side of an experience than when you're going through something or when you're struggling through something. And it's not till you get here where you can look back and say, I, you know, if I'd just done this or if I'd thought this or whatever made a different move, things would have worked out differently. So I'm it's another reason I want you to trust me tonight because I'm bringing to you some experience from my life. I want to save you what took me 15 years to figure out. Could I help you with that? Would you trust me just enough that I could speak into your life and I'm going to use the word, I hope you all brought some kind of Bible with you because we're going to go to some scriptures, but I want to save you a lot of heartache, a lot of time wasted I don't want to see that for you. When I look out here and I see youth, I see energy, I see passion, I see dreams and goals and vision, you say, well, I don't see that myself. You're not looking at yourself in the right way. It's it's something that the Lord wants for you. Therefore, we should accept that and desire the same. So we have a slide uh, that has the word compromise on it. Do we have that one? 
And this message is titled, The Truth About Compromise. Y'all know what compromise is, right? <laughs> yeah. The definition includes the words agreement, settlement, deal, trade-off, middle ground, right? Middle ground. How does God look at middle ground? We know from Revelation, he doesn't like middle ground very much. He wants to know where you're at. What are you thinking? Are you for me? Because he's with you. Are you for me? And one leg here and one leg here never works out. Tried it and they're done that. Never works out. One foot on the cross, one foot on the cliff of hell. Doesn't work. You can't stay there for very long. I want to share some things with you tonight that brought me to a place of compromise. And because of it, brought me down to a, a place I hope none of you ever get. And it was really only because I obeyed every single voice of the flesh that I heard. Every one of them. Because the flesh feeds on flesh. And you know, it's funny, when you don't have any self-control, it's all about yourself, right? If you have self-control, it's, it's in a way about yourself, but you're actually looking out for God's best interest for you. All right, I'm going to dig in here with something that's kind of kind of creepy. Um, when I was about 20, this was before I knew my wife. All of this is pre-Tracy. Disclaimer. My wife knows, I think, most all of what I'm going to share tonight. Nothing should be a big shocker. Uh, but when I was in my early 20s, I lived above a funeral home. I had an apartment over a funeral home. You know what a funeral home is? A funeral home is when somebody dies and they bring them there and they prepare this body and they bring them down to the basement. They stick all these big tubes up in their organs and they drain all their blood out on a table that has this tray around it to catch all the blood. Then they stick more tubes in it and they pump them up with a solution so that their bodies don't decay for a few more days. And then they lay them in a nice box and they have a funeral. I lived above that. So I lived above Frankenstein's lab. And one day, the funeral director said, hey, uh, Jim, you want to come see what this is like? I said, are you kidding me? <laughs> no way. Sick to my stomach. I can't even think about a cut or something, and I'm just like, hey, whoa, hold on. So I did watch it. It was just, just the worst thing. So I'm in this funeral home. Now, the worst part about this particular point in my life is that I also liked to take drugs and drink a lot. And so I, I have videos of my friend and I in the casket showroom uh, jumping around in the caskets and we're doing all this crazy stuff. We got strobe lights in the casket and uh, we're just making these crazy films and all of this is because we're on drugs, right? So my job, in order to live in this place, my job was to answer the phone. So a hospital would call up and say, uh, Mrs. You know, Goodson has died. We need the funeral director to come pick up the body. All right, my job was to then call the funeral director, tell them what happened. But when you're on drugs... You can't do that very well. So I was supposed to answer the phone, hello, Abby Larson Brothers, but instead I answered it, hello? And then everything, I couldn't understand anything on the other end. Decided to go out partying after that and ended up at a bar, met some people, crazy times. Next thing I know, I wake up <laughs> in a place I don't know with a girl I don't know with dangerous people I don't know, in a house I don't know, in a neighborhood that I have no idea where I am. Panic, panic. My first thought, how did I get here? Where's my shoe? Where's my wallet? How, where's my pants? What am I doing here? How did I get in this 
predicament and you know enough would reel things back, it would have made logical sense. Well, first you took drugs and then you uh, drank and then you went to places you shouldn't go and you hung out with people that you shouldn't have and ultimately you ended up and you said, how did I get here? My point is this, is that spiritually we can end up in the same spot and we say, how did I get here? Have I may have had a relationship with God, but somehow I'm losing that. Or I may have had a real encounter with God, but now I don't know what I'm feeling anymore. I don't know what I'm thinking anymore. I, I'm challenged by what's going on. And the truth is you're just growing, right? But you're being challenged by the culture that's surrounding you. There's so much noise in your ears right now. There's so much, so much. And it wants to deafen you to the point where you can't even hear your own thoughts. And so when God tries to reach out and speak to you in his gentle voice, in his loving manner, it's too noisy. So ask yourself today, how did I get here? No matter what you're thinking, it's important that you know where you came from. It's important that you know what you believe. What you believe and the conviction that you have about what you believe is what's going to get you through to avoid that 15 years that I went through. That's what's going to get you through. Having a solid relationship with God. Something that makes a difference, not just to those around you, but to your own safety. To get through situations safely. How did I get here? Don't, don't hesitate to ask yourself when you feel lost. Lord, what's going on? What's happening in my, in my mind? What happened along the way? I, uh, I dated a girl in high school. Her name was Shannon. I remember going to pick her up. I just got my license. And I went to her house, knocked on the door. Dad answered the door. And the dad says to me, do I know you? And I thought, no, you don't, old dad. I just want to get Shannon and get out of here. So he's asking me, do I know you? And I thought, what a dumb question. Your daughter knows me. That's what I'm here for. You know? And, and I thought, that, that is just, you know, just want to get out of here. So, but the, you know, I thought about it as I, I thought about that moment when I was preparing for tonight. And I thought, you know, it is good to say I have a relationship with God. But what matters most is when he says to us, do I know you? Do I know you? Do I know you? Remember in Matthew 7, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have we done all these great things in your name? Right? In his name and all this. And you may have heard this message before, this particular scripture, passage of scripture. But in the end, he says, depart from me, you doers of iniquity. I never knew you. And he follows it up by saying, only those who do the will of my Father will enter heaven. So it's easy to say, I prayed the sinner's prayer, so I'm going to heaven. But the truth is, the truth is, if you're doing the will of the Father, you'll go to heaven. What is that? That's the big question. What is the will of the Father? We're going to get there. And I want to talk tonight about, a little bit about deconstruction, a little bit about uh, intimacy with God. I'm going to do whatever I can in this time that I have. And the in inevitable result of letting your heart slide away. I had let my heart slide away to a place that I wasn't sure if I'd ever come back. And a lot of it was sexual. A lot of it was drug-oriented or alcohol-based. Um, I grew up in a split home. My dad was, I don't know, maybe in his early 30s. I was four or five when my parents got divorced. And I lived with my dad on the weekends. 
my mom during the week. Anybody have a similar situation? Um, so my dad became a born-again Christian, right? And this is what drove my parents to separate, I think. Um, and so I had a couple days of the week with him, and he was planting good seed, and we're going to church and learning about God and doing stuff, and he would drag me to these, they were called Jesus rallies. They are basically hippies who gave up alcohol for coffee with five teaspoons of sugar. And, you know, they had a little kid's corner over here, but it was more coffee. You know, they just put more sugar in it for the kids. And uh, so, and I remember sitting around his little apartment when he was, you know, he was just saved, and they were singing, like, Puff, Puff the Magic Dragon. You guys even know this song? Just old hippie music, and they were trying to make it spiritual. You know, it was so great. Okay, but, but that, that didn't last very long because my mom got remarried right away. My dad, it took him some time, and he, he got remarried when I was maybe 11 or 12, and then he moved. So my Christian communication with the world had stopped. You know, I used to go to summer camp, just like you guys. I used to go to church all the time. I had friends at church. But when he moved, I had no way to go to church because my mom wouldn't take me, and she didn't like any of that. So I'm living with now heathen mom for seven days out of the week, and as it goes, she also liked to party, and, you know, there was lots of violence in the home, and there was lots of anger, and different things going on. So my go-to was to get out of there. Whether it was in my room, whether it was out of the house, I'm just away from this. And I just tried to avoid because it scared me and it hurt me and I didn't want to be, uh, I didn't want to feel that way. But you know, um, I want to ask you a question. I love to ask questions is the world united today? It, come on, we are the world. <laughs> Hands across America, you guys are too young for any of this, but uh, is the, okay, how about the United States? It's the United States. So we're united, right? We're just states. <laughs> Welcome to the states. We're just states. Now, here, here's a bigger question. Why? Why aren't we united? It's a good answer. The Bible actually tells us why we're not united. And this actually goes deeper to the person individually. Can we look at Ephesians 4.3? It says, we got it up there. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. I've got a big exclamation point in my notes. The unity of the spirit. So where the spirit is absent, there can't be true unity. There cannot be, because God's the author of that. He's the director of unity. He's the, he's the primary force behind anything unified. So if the Spirit of God is not in your political discussion, is not in your cultural group preference, is not in your LGBTQ outlook, if the Spirit of God cannot reside there, there will be no unity there. Yeah. So I guarantee you, no matter how much you want it, world peace and all this stuff will never come until the Prince of Peace is in charge. Because he's the author of that. Yeah. Do you know what happened at the church of Ephesus? This is crazy. There were rulers and authorities of that age, and they had embraced, really embraced evil to legitimize power, and in forsaking their original love for Jesus Christ in this early church, uh, the grace of Christ, the messages that should have been there, the love of God, the compelling of the gospel, had all been... Uh, eroded and they adopted a theology of hate and anger as a means of perpetuating control. Does this not sound like America? 
perpetuating hate and anger for the sense of control, right? We live in a day not unlike Paul himself. Romans 15, 5 and 6. Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another according to Instagram that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the... Let me back up. (laughs) According to Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus, that you may with one mind, one mind, that's unity, one mouth, there's unity, what we are thinking, what we are saying together can only be unified if it comes through the Spirit of God. That's why it's, it's almost impossible to have fellowship with unbelievers. God says don't have fellowship with unbelievers. Not that you can't have Christ, un, non-Christian friends. You have to be able to get into the mix to make a difference, right? But you should not adopt and change and compromise yourself to fit the culture's demand. Culture is demanding right now. The culture will not ask you, do you want to believe this? They're going to say, you need to believe this. They're not going to ask you. The culture is going to demand it from you because it's not godly. So we have to look at what is unity? The spirits required for true unity, right? And how we speak and how we think according to Christ Jesus, right? And if you don't know this, the Holy Spirit is, as the Bible tells us, two or three different places, the Spirit of Christ. That's how he can reside inside of you. The Holy Spirit. There's only one Spirit and he's holy, And there are all kinds of other spirits in the world. So your generation faces a massive challenge. And I don't mean this to sound like, oh my gosh. But you guys have more challenges now than I think we did as young people. And a lot of it's because internet cry. You know, the cry to rally around something. Or to be this. Or to do that. We didn't have that kind of pressure. So you have a very big challenge ahead of you. But that's all the more reason. All the more reason I'm happy, happy to stand here and, and share some things with you. I guess this next scripture is going to be sort of key for the rest of what I'm about to share. And that comes from Romans 8, 13 and 14. I don't know if we've had a slide for that, but Romans 8, 13 and 14 says, If you live according to the flesh, you will... Anybody got a Bible here? You will die. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. That's pretty clear, right? But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons and children of God, or sons and daughters. It says sons, but we're all children of God if we believe. Right. So, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. So, I died. Not physically, But I died spiritually, I died mentally, I died, my hopes died, my dreams died. Almost anything good that was in me because of my past or what I went through actually disappeared to the point where I had no hope, no direction, and I didn't know what to do at any any point. In fact, it wasn't until I met my wife when we started talking about having kids. And my wife and I both came from a kind of a similar deal. Christianity was a part of our childhood, you know, but... Uh, we hadn't just really made it our own faith. And she, my wife said, how do you want to raise our kids? You know, when we have kids, if we have kids. And I said, well, uh, now based on my, my thinking, my super wisdom, I said, well, we're going to wait till they're about 12, 13. 
we'll get all the brochures from all the religions of the world. You know, I'm thinking there's this library of religions around the world. And you just go there and you get all these brochures. And I said, we're going to lay them on a table. And uh, this is Pastor Jim, okay? We're going to lay them on a table. And uh, when the child's old enough to understand what they, what they think they want to do, we'll let them pick one and we'll just support them. It could be gay, it could be a cult, it could be, you know, whatever. And my wife goes, no, no. She's like, that's stupid. No, we're going to go to a normal church, normal life. Uh, I said, oh, okay. You know, so I was so convicted, right? I was so sold out to the idea. But that's it. I just, I still had kind of one leg, one leg here, one leg here. And we became Christians really as adults. So I'd gone through this transitionary period where I had uh, basically forsaken God. I couldn't tell you how many times. You know, if, if I felt like it, I was, I was with the Lord. If I didn't feel like it. So it was still all very fleshly relationship with him. Uh, but uh, so we decided to go visit uh, a church that my dad had taken us to when I was a kid. And we, we got saved, you know, April 1996. And so as an adult, so I had a, an understanding of God as a child. And I really felt like I was maybe even born again as a kid, five or six you know, drinking the coffee and whatnot. But uh, it wasn't until we really got together that my life started to turn around. And, it, and it's not because I met my wife. It's because we met the Lord. And simply entering into his, into his presence, simply entering into his, what he always wanted for us. I have two daughters. They're in their 20s, right? And, and they don't always do, or they didn't always do what we wanted them to do. But when they did it on their own, finally, they did it on their own. Whether it was take a crap or, uh, you know, do, do the thing that we told them to do. Whatever it was. We were so thrilled because they did it on their own. And I felt that same way when we came into the Lord's presence and he said, this is what I've been waiting for. This is, this is years and years and years, my son, I've been waiting for you. And, and I just, as a father, I can now see that. I can see that grace that is endlessly being extended toward you no matter the decisions you're making right now this grace is just pouring out and pouring out and pouring out and it's just going to take a moment to wake up and say thank you Lord I received that and, and all the stuff you've done all the stuff I've done I don't share my testimony very often because it's way too dark and, and I don't like it and it's dirty and, and I, I don't live there you know but, but it's a place that I've been and it's a place I don't want anyone else to stop in and, and live. I really don't. You know, this whole move about deconstructing really has torn me apart. Some of you may be going through it. I don't know. Um, but there's a movement now. And I call it a movement because it's kind of a, kind of coming back around. But postmodernism started in the 1950s, somewhere in there. And uh, here's the basic idea. There is no absolute. There's no absolute... Um, ethical code. There's no absolute moral grounds for anything. There's no absolute leadership. There's no absolute authority. So guess what? If I don't like it, bye. If I don't like how I feel about that, bye. And we take everything that has an absolute and we toss it out the window. Well, where does that leave God? God is our absolute moral compass. He is the one who authored the direction of that compass and it always points toward heaven. Always. Always, always, always. But what happens is, if we take on this deconstructionist mentality which says, I don't trust authority, every system is broken. You see, the, how they make it work is they problematize everything. We see this again and again and again. It doesn't matter how good a situation actually gets. Hey, I feel like we're kind of coming out of this. Well, it's still bad. 
we have more work to do, they're always going to problematize the thing so it can never really be great, right? And so by doing that, you always put a wedge into hope. You put a wedge into a place that you feel like, hey, I can come out of this, but it's always going to drag you back. And then when you kill authority in general, well, then you alone hold that moral compass. You alone make every decision based on how you feel, what you want to do, when you want to do it, you don't care about the word of God. You put everything aside until that, that compass, you know, becomes your, your golden, you know, baby. But it's always pointing this way. And if you're the one making all the moral decisions for your life, you're going to fail. I'm living proof of that. If you're the one making decisions without the spirit of God, there will be no unity in, in what you're doing. The scriptures prove it. I'm not here to prove it. The scriptures are, are proving it themselves. So we have to... Who held their hand up when I, when I had us all stand up and you said, I need awareness. Okay, we need hyper-awareness. Hyper, you know what hyper is? Hyper is like enhanced, extra, over the top. I need over the top awareness. The Bible calls it discernment. But in this culture, in where we're at today, your antennas need to be like, when I was a kid, the TV had these old antennas up on top. And just to see a show, you had to move these antennas around because you're trying to catch the airwaves, you know? And it's like, thank you, Lord, for the internet. But, you know, we were happy with that. But anyways, we need our antennas way, way up because the, Bi <laughs> the Bible tells us that our adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And the way he does that is to see who's not paying attention. So if you get caught up in a cultural move, whether it's about your sexual identity or something else, and, and you're not really focused on the word of God, but again, teeter-tottering between the cross and the grave, you're not going to do very well. Again, I'm living proof. Uh, so every, everything's labeled now, right? It's misogynistic, it's racist, it's homophobic. We've even gone so far as to label biology as a problem. Well, you don't know if you're really a boy. I heard in Canada, did you hear about this? They, they passed legislation or they were trying to pass legislation that when they issue a birth certificate in the hospital has no gender on it. They hand it to the parents to make the decision in whatever they believe, they're holding this moral compass, whatever they believe that child is, they'll write it in later. Think of the detriment to that child. Never given the chance to be what God's called them to be. Never allowed to say, hey, but wait, I'm not a girl if you're a boy or whatever the case may be. And the parents are off on, on this direction. You never have to worry about that. Nobody's here to put a lid on you. God's going to take the lid off of you, right? You don't have to submit to what culture is trying to tell you. You don't have to. You don't have to. I know it's hard. I know it's hard, but you, you really don't have to. Jesus said, abide in me and I in you. This is from John 15. Do you remember this? The, the vine and the branches. It's one of my favorite scriptures. Abide in me and I in you. And as the branch cannot bear fruit of, it, of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. That's John 15, 4. If you want to write that down. Knowing God's voice. How am I doing? Hey, we got some time. When do I need to wrap up? What time? <laughs> okay, tomorrow. <laughs> Knowing God's voice. 
Yeah. All right. <laughs> it's really important that we hear God's voice. And um, my wife and I, and, and okay, so I don't know if you're saying this to yourself. I'm not sure I know what God's voice sounds like. Anybody? I mean, you don't have to raise your hand, but yeah. So it's not an unusual thing to, to grow in your faith and try to learn how God is speaking to you because he's invisible, number one. We can't see him. We have all these things to overcome with our faith, right? We have to believe in an invisible God who can't physically touch me. We have to listen to a voice that we don't audibly hear in most cases. But this is where the relationship becomes important. I know I have a relationship with my wife. How do I know it? Because we have a real relationship. If I were to ask her, she would say, yes, we have a relationship. She could tell you how the relationship is doing. She could tell you everything about it because we have intimacy in our relationship, right? God knows everything about you already, so all you have to do is figure some things out about God. He already knows that about you. Um, Pastor Isaiah, would you help me out for a second here? We're going to demonstrate something about intimacy. James tells us what? If we draw near to God, he will do what? Draw near to us. So please face me, sir. Now, we're good friends, right? I've got to pop this mint here because we're going to get close. <laughs> okay. Oh, boy. <laughs> so, Pastor Isaiah, Pastor Isaiah and I are really good friends, and, and we're brothers in Christ, and he knows some things about me. And I know some things about him, too, but not everything. Certainly not. I wouldn't say I know more about you than I don't. I probably know less about him than I do know about him. But take a few steps back, would you? Okay. Now let's just say I'm God and you're you, okay? And I say, draw near unto me and I will draw near unto you. Please take a step forward. Yes, take a step toward your God. Okay, brother, how do you feel about this intimacy? It's like social distancing. We're at safe at arm's length, right? Please take another giant step toward me. Okay. How is this feeling? A lot closer. You can sense the intimacy starting to happen, right? Don't worry. Yeah. yeah, we're just about to feel the, the body heat here in just a second. Please take one step toward me so your toes are touching my toes. Do it. Do it. <laughs> and you can't lean back. Touch my toes, brother. Are we close? Oh, yes. Does this feel different than when you were standing back there? Yes. What's different about it? My closeness. <laughs> Breath smells amazing. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. So now put your forehead on mine. All right. Is this close? I think we can be closer. This is okay. <laughs> How's this? This is good. Yeah. All right. Thanks, brother. Thank you. That That's okay? it. Yeah. I want to show you there's a difference between this and this. I'm talking to this group right here, but right now, Brandon, I'm talking to you. There's a difference. When you are out in the world and you got culture, boo, and God says, I want, I want this. There's only one way to get it. Draw near to him. Did you notice that as he drew near to me, I didn't move, but we were getting closer. God's inside of you. He's not going to move. He's already there. But when you come up and come up and come up, that's the, that's the thing. And when he says, draw near to me, I will draw near unto you. It's about the heart. His heart's already for you. His heart's already drawn to you. His heart's already totally in support of what you're doing. God wants that kind of intimacy with you. And I'm telling you right now, here's the key, golden key. 
golden key. If you don't have that intimacy, you won't be able to find this. Therefore, what does it say? I got to back up here. Romans 8, 13, 14. Uh, no, no, no. We want to look at, we want to look at Romans. What do I want to look at? Yeah. 13 and 14, it says, if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Right. So you've got some spiritual homework to do. Who loves homework? I do. Oh, somebody raised their hands. Proud of you. Proud of you. You've got spiritual homework. That spiritual homework is, Lord, is to pray, right? To pray. God, how can I get closer to you? What can I do to get closer to you? He's already there. If you've accepted him, he's already here. So what can you do? The Bible says, shed the things of the flesh. Do you have any idea what that means? Yeah. Right? If there's anything in your life that is against the word of God, number one, and it's clearly written what God doesn't like. He doesn't like sexual immorality. Right? He doesn't like boasting. He hates pride. There's so many things God doesn't like. But if we fill our lives with those things, those are the things we need to shed. And in doing so, you get closer to God. Now, here's where the challenge comes in. To have a reason to want to get closer to God. Why do I want to get closer to God? Because just like King Solomon and so many others in the word, God promised, if you obey my commandments, if you do not go with false, uh, or worship false gods and go with foreign women and do these different things, then I will bless you, I will take care of you, I will watch over you. And twice, I believe, he appeared to King Solomon and told him the same thing. And it started off pretty good. And in fact, God said, look, I'll give you whatever you want. Just tell me, name it, name it. How would you like that to happen to you? Yeah, what would you ask for? But he said, I want to be the wisest person in the world. I want all the wisdom so I can rule justly. So he had a good motive. And I believe because of that, God gave that to him. And so he started off great. He had, you know, Pastor Jack would say billions of dollars or whatever the, you know, how many hundreds of talents that he received, like 600 some talents every year or something, just of gold, just tons and tons of money. He had everything. He had women. He had it all. Yeah. Right. But he started to turn his heart away from the Lord. And in the end, he ended up serving false gods because the Bible says in uh, 1 Kings uh, 4, 11 or somewhere in there, I just read it, uh, that he, he, because, let's just look at it. <laughs> I got a Bible sitting right here. 1 Kings. Uh, where are we? Am I in the right spot, Tracy? Oh, where am I? Okay, anyways. Anyways, anyways. Yeah, okay, so we're at chapter 11. Yeah. Yeah, so 1 Kings 11, 1 says, But King Solomon loved many foreign women. Okay. God often uses a, a harlot or a prostitute or something to denote our hearts departing from him, leaning into something else that we shouldn't. Right? A love that's not his love. And, and it says here that someone loved many foreign women. And in verse uh, 3, it says he had 700 wives. Ouch. 
princesses, 300 concubines. I mean, ouch, the, my wallet was crying, not me. And so it was when Solomon was old that his wives turned his heart after other gods. Okay, just put it into modern context. Uh, we can make a parallel here. I think it's fair. Because the Bible says that all things written in the Old Testament were for our benefit to learn from in the New. So we can look at this and say there could be a lesson in here. Are we clinging to something that's causing us to turn our heart from the Lord? When I was uh, 18, I know this was going to be at the end, but do we have that picture of me that you could put up? Uh, oh, so this is me at age 18. Yeah. Looking at this picture, I feel awkward because I remember when it was taken and uh, I, this was a going away party. I was going to go into the army. I went into the U.S. Army for a few years. And um, I was 18 here. And I just want to be honest with you and say, by this time, most of the damage had already been done in my life. So, so I'm speaking to you now. Because I so, as a father and as a friend and as a pastor and a brother, I do not want you to, to go through what this seemingly smiling young man was going through. When this picture was taken, my life was a nightmare. A nightmare. And I have a pentagram necklace around my neck. And the things in my heart were so dark and so wicked. I had lived a life of total debauchery, so, so ashamed. And to, to get away from it all, I thought, I need to get a life. I'm going to join the military. I'm going to do something good. But to look at this picture here just reminds me that if you're, and you're mostly younger than me, right, in that picture, right? So you, you're in some formidable years, some, uh, some real special times right now where you have an opportunity to bust through and not end up like that kid. I don't know that guy anymore. At one time, when I got into the army, I dove a little deeper into some of the things that I was interested. One of them was my sex life. And uh, for about two years, I didn't know if I was gay or straight. I had had relationships with men, women, older women, transgender people. I had all kinds of relationships. I've had knives in my belly. I've had knives under my nose. I've had guns in my belly. And all this happened because I chose this life. All of this happened because I made the choice to feed my flesh. I knew the truth when I was a kid. I knew the truth. But I put it away. I put it away. You have an opportunity not to do that. There's a danger in not knowing the voice of the Spirit. There's a danger. What do you think that danger could be? Well, not only do you not know what the Spirit really wants for you, but you can't respond. This is one of the reasons I'm glad we can still, still speak uh, some Japanese. Um, I'm going to speak some Japanese. Anybody here speak Japanese? I need every single person not to understand what I'm about to say. Oh, you understand some? Okay, well, yeah, you were in Japan, weren't you? So, here's a problem, right? Kotai shinasai. Kotai shinasai yo. Okay. Aishimasu ka? Watashi wa aishimasu ka? Aishimasu ka? I'm telling you, answer me, answer me. Do you love me? Do you love me? Answer me, answer me. But see, you don't know what I'm saying. You can't understand enough to respond. So you have to cultivate. I had to learn Japanese to understand how to just say, boy, is this salad delicious. 
サラダはおいしいよねおいしいですよね and, and you know having that sense of being the foreigner in a foreign country where at first we didn't understand anything that was going on the more we learned Japanese the easier it was to flow in the society the more you know the spirit of the Lord the easier it will be for you to manage your Christian walk no matter what age look I go through struggles now Not the same things I did when I was 15, 16 years old, but you know, when I was 15, I started hanging out with a group of guys that went down to Rocky Horror Picture Show. You heard of this? Don't watch it. I've been asked to not encourage you to do all these things I'm sharing with you. So, so I got involved with. I got, I got involved with a bunch of people who went and saw this movie, and it's a crazy film. It's all about sex and this transvestite guy who's actually an alien. And he tries to, you know, basically make it with everybody who enters his place. And in the end, the castle takes off and it's all sad. So, but because of this, the type of people that were typically attracted to this movie、uh, were in the same position I was lost, floating around. They didn't really have、um, a whole lot in their lives. They certainly didn't have any direction. And this led to orgies, it led to、uh, other drugs, other parties, other things. And I kept finding myself saying, How did I get here? I kept repeating that phrase in my mind over and over. And I, would, and I would do this dumb thing and I'd say, Well, how did this happen? And I would do this dumb thing and I'd say, Well, how did this happen? And you know, that, the hardest part for me to reconcile with all this was it was all my fault. But I couldn't accept that because I was always blaming something else for not making me happy. I was always looking for a scapegoat to justify my behavior, right? Because my moral compass was gone, dissolved. I had lost it completely. There's a danger not knowing the Spirit, and that danger is really be that you can't respond to the Spirit. And so when God says, Listen, my son, listen, my daughter, this is what I want you to do. This is the direction I want you to go. This is how I want you to do it. This is how I want you to administer your life. And He'll tell you these things. Not all at once. Thank you, Lord. But he will tell you. We've talked about intimacy, but we all want to believe that our hearts have some good in them, right? You're a good person, Pastor. Yeah, you're a good man, right? Yeah, yeah, you're a good man.、Uh, would you say you have a good heart? Yeah. I believe my wife has a good heart, you know? Anybody else happy with their, the condition of their heart? Okay, all right. Well, I want to show you truthfully what Scripture says about the condition of the heart. And this is all the more reason we need to press. Press. Mark 7 21 says, For from within, out of the heart of man, comes evil thoughts. Still love your heart? Okay. Jeremiah 17 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? This, in the Hebrew, this is used figuratively very widely. Okay, so many applications for this, but it really points to feelings, the will, And the intellect, okay? What, what part of our spirit, soul, body is this? This is our soul, right? This is where we think about things, how we process information, how we process things about the Word of God, the heart, how we look at our culture, what decisions we make on what's going to mix with that or not, right? God didn't like his people mixing with other people. It's not because God was racist, it's because he knew if they got involved with the idols, They would also fall. <laughs> It's really something. I'm going to go to my 
last page of notes, but I still have a little bit of time. Yeah, I'm just going to review this for a second. Hold on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So the Bible is our source for truth. I know you know that. And you hear a lot of good teaching here. And you have people around you who can support people who will do really good things for you, go way out of their way for you. I know that you have a safety net around you in this church, especially. I know that. Pastor Jack, if you don't know him, he's another one that'll go the extra mile for you. I'm another one who will go the extra mile for you. If ever you want to talk about anything, you got leaders here, I'm here. If you are confused, if you're not sure, if you've just kind of been down some roads that are confusing, frustrating, and it's really messing with your faith walk, I definitely want to help you. And the Lord definitely wants to help you. We are living in a time like no other. You are living in a time like no other. Has anyone ever told you that? You're living... My wife had a dream. My wife has a prophetic gift, okay? And she's not one of these crazy prophets that go around speaking false things. God gives her dreams. And he often gives her interpretations to dreams. And it's really a powerful thing. But in... Uh, what year was it when you had the 2016 dream? 2005 or six. she had this very simple dream. Uh, I don't know the, the look of it or whatever, but it was just giant numbers, 2016. And so we thought some significance to 2016, right? And I don't know if you were to able to look back on the internet or, you know, just kind of roll back a little bit. What has really opened up in 2016? Some of the things that this world has never seen. A lot of it driven by social media. A lot of it driven by cultural, you know, movements and different stuff. But a lot of it anger. A lot of it hatred. A lot of it really, really evil. And I believe that in 2016, something opened up. And I think in part, it has to do with technology. But, but the truth is, my, my opinion about this is that there was some new release of, and I don't mean an album, there was some new release of spiritual activity upon the earth for a generation to hold them, to bind them, to not know the truth, to keep your ears plugged and fill it with noise. I believe that something has happened, but we don't need to look at that and go, oh, oh my gosh, you know, what do we do? Well, we do the same thing that, that generations after generations have done. Yeah. That's press into God, move forward. I'm telling you, yeah. no matter how complicated, and the Lord shared this with me just a couple of days ago, no matter how complicated society gets, yeah. and even though Jesus said, small is the gate, difficult is the path that leads to life, that path is unchanged. The path is unchanged. You may feel like it's getting more difficult and more difficult to stay a Christian and to be a Christian, but the truth is all you have to do is tune out the other stuff, get your antennas up, get close to God, just like Pastor Zay and I did, and you will have great success. But it takes discipline, right? We used to have a Christian brother. He used to say, God will spank you. I thought that was the weirdest thing, but what he meant was, you know, when you get into a spot... <laughs> God's going to, you know, kind of set you straight. And, and I appreciate that. You know, I, I need to be, I shouldn't even say it on camera. Uh, 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 we all need a spiritual helping, uh, you know, some spiritual help. Right? But it's true. 
you know, I, I almost started off by saying, I, I'm going to hit you tonight, but that sounded so violent. Uh, I'm not a violent person, am I? No, gentle. Um, but that's our homework. That's our spiritual homework. So I know your leaders are, are going to uh, embark on some fasting and praying for the, for the church, for the staff, for you. And if there's anything that I, I do want to leave with you, it's the Father's heart. The Father's heart. I'm a father. And I have a father that cares about me, an earthly father and a, a heavenly father. But the Father's heart for you is really singular. He's not looking at the world as just a big ball of people. And then he sees you in the mix and goes, oh yeah, there you are. Oh, God bless you. No. He sees you. He's looking at you. He wants to know about you. And he wants you to know where you stand with him. Are we at arm's length? Are we COVID distance? Are we getting closer? Are we feeling the body heat? Are we toe to toe? Are we head to head? That's where we want to be. Think of that image. When you, when you say, God, I want to be so close to you that I'm just, you know, we're inside of each other like that. That's where it's at. That's where true success will lie. Find focus. Find quiet. Find it. You got to find it. It will not find you. Time will not find you. You got to find it. You got to make it. Whatever is a priority in your life, like real priority, real priority. Who here likes to work out? Hey, all right. So is that a priority for you? You make sure you do it as often as you can, right? Regularly as you can. Why is that important to you? Because you want a healthy body, you want to look good, you want to feel good, right? So you understand the benefits of that. But unless we can become intimate with God, we don't understand the benefit. If you've never been healthy, you can't really understand the benefit and how you'll actually feel when you are healthy. That's what I'm talking about being on the other side of an experience. I can now look back and say, yes, I get it. That's what I went through. This could have been avoided or whatever the case may be. But we have to gain that intimacy with God. If you're going to see a change in your life, get the questions answered in your, in your life that you need. And God will provide. Right? James also present. Why is James night? My name is James. James promises that if we ask God for wisdom, he will not hold back, but he will liberally give it to us. Right? But we have to be able to hear his voice to receive that from him. I tell you what, let's, let's stand up right now. I want to pray for you, and I'm going to ask Pastor Isaiah to, uh, to lead a prayer if he feels so inclined. Um, but I love you. I'm just going to tell you right now. I don't know each of you by name. Thank you, brother. But in my heart of hearts, I do love you, and I care for you, and I want the best for you. Some of us are quiet. We don't say a lot, but we feel a lot. And some of us are, are vocal and we think, oh, that's, you know, the, the noise box. We know everything about them because they just, bark. there's no filter. Remember that? Thank you so much for listening. Stay tuned next week for more content coming from Purpose 828. And make sure to hit the follow button on Spotify.